Welcome to Season 3 of the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. I sit, staring in the midnight hour, wondering how I lost my power, pondering the potion or enigmatic notion that led to all this commotion. Did I give too much to respond to your needs? Was there writing on the wall that I didn't heed? Indeed, indeed, I still ponder the notion that led me to all this commotion. It seems that I was toiling over barren land, since all the fruit I picked crumbled in my hands. With this thing and that and the ill-begotten lie, my one word question to all of this, why? To this precious land my love I gave, I promised to tend it till I reached my grave. Pondering in the dark, the enigmatic notion, what the hell led me to all this commotion september september what a month to remember i thought i had fell in love or like very strong like yeah it was something welcome to the dating after divorce survival guide after getting his master's degree and getting cursed out his second master's and getting kicked out eric payne decided to pursue his doctorate and getting his life right and staying in his own lane but upon getting all his degrees, he realized he was a fish out of water in this new dating landscape. Eric was 28 years old when he met his ex-wife and was newly divorced at 43. The world had changed considerably since the days of StarTech beepers, Motorola flip phones, and Yahoo Chat. It is vicious out here in these new streets where taking pictures of yourself all day long with a phone and posting them on the internet is actually a thing. The Dating After Divorce Survival Guide is the story of Eric's journey from love and marriage to divorce to dating to hopefully love and marriage once more. So I arrived back home to Atlanta, Georgia after my long Labor Day weekend full of energy, vitality, and a freshness, a lightness in my step that comes with meeting someone that you had a good time with and think that you might have a future with. There was pep in my step, there was energy in my actions, there was motivation to, a little bit of extra motivation to just be, a little extra pep in my step. I called C-Sweet Lady a few times just to say what's up. And the response was sporadic, the texts were sporadic, but they had been before. Because, you know, she was busy. She was one of them C-sweet people. I never had an issue with it before. So now that, you know, I done laid up with her in her home and had relations with her, I'm not going to get in my feelings about it now. But I kind of was hoping that since I laid up in her house and had relations with her, she'd be quicker to pick up the phone or quicker to call me back. Or not give me the just seeing this text which, at the time, I hadn't really understood what those actually meant. When I got back to Atlanta, I needed to take care of a little bit of business, some administrative stuff, before I left New York. While talking to my mom-in-law, she wished me well. She told me good luck. She told me that no matter what, everything was going to work out. Although I knew this fundamentally, I didn't understand why she was saying this to me right before she dropped me off, before I wouldn't see them again for actually a number of years so while we're in the car and they're riding me to the train station before i go over to see sweet lady's house in new jersey the wheels started turning and i said hey did um 
your daughter tell you that I wasn't working? And she said, yes. And I said, huh, interesting. I had told that to my ex in confidence, and I was pretty proud of myself because I had told her the day that I got laid off from my position at the school that I told her that day. I didn't wait for like a couple months until it was unavoidable like I did when I first got divorced. She was the first call I made. Second, first or second. I don't remember at this point, but it wasn't the third. She was one of two. Why? Because she's my co-parent, because she's the mother of my child, because she needed to know. And she was quite encouraging. But I was pretty clear on the fact that I didn't, no one needed to know. My own parents didn't know. And the thing is, is that because the thing about it wasn't pride. It really wasn't pride. If my pride was an issue, then I wouldn't have shared with her the way I didn't when I first got divorced. But that's not what this was. Oh, and let me backtrack. When I first got, when I got laid off before, I didn't tell my ex-wife for months. I told her when I could no longer handle paying for the kids' insurance because they were on my insurance when I got laid off. My ego was at stake. I didn't want it to just add to, you know, the loserdom that I felt and the fact that I kind of felt called out as a loser by her, whether or not, maybe not directly, but in her actions. I mean, obviously she left me, so she left me for bigger and better things, whether that was true or not, whether that was reality or not. That's how I interpreted it. So to show up without a job and not being able to pay for the insurance for my children, you know, their health care needs, that was something that I just wasn't prepared to have a conversation with her about. She was very gracious when I told her. She, I don't think to this day, knows how long I went without before the benefits ran out and I could no longer handle it. But I said I was going to do things different the second time around, which I did. But I told her that in confidence, or so I thought. And the issue was not pride. As I said before, the issue was the seniors in my life, my mom, my dad, her mom, her dad, and various, you know, step-parents, don't need to be stressed out about grown children. You know, they've got a lot enough going on. And I understand, you know, your parent is your parent. But, you know, the, the older you get, I've learned, um, the older you get as a parent, you know, especially as you move into senior life, the more worry and stress can become a factor on your own health. And I was really, really trying to avoid that for them. <laughs> so as I said, I had administrative work to take care of when I got back to Atlanta. So on a random conversation with uh, my daughter's mother, I, my children's mother, I said, hey, did you let your mom know that I wasn't working? She said, yes. We didn't address the fact that she had broken my confidence. The next question was, well, how do you know? I said, oh, I saw her over the weekend, and she told me that you told her. What do you mean you saw her? I went to New York for the weekend. Labor Day weekend. I didn't say who or why or what about or where I stayed. Went to New York, and you spent time with my mother. Mm-hmm. She wanted to spend time with me. So you spent time with my mother and didn't tell me. What do I have to tell you for? That's my mother, but she's grown. And so are you. And we're not married. I don't have to check in with you about who I spend time with or who I talk to. I don't know when you talk to my mom. Don't really even care. But that's my mother. And, and you know, in the midst of this back and forth, we're leapfrogging over the fact that you told my business to someone that I didn't want my business told to. So ultimately, what I finally said was, well, our daughter told me that all of her New York relatives were asking about me and missed me. All of them wanted to spend time with me, except the only ones that were available to spend time with me were your mom and your stepdad. 
Well, I don't know why you wouldn't have told me this. I've got one better for you. Why didn't they? She got quiet, went back to me. The fact of the matter was, nobody told her because it was nobody's business. She brought her beef to the person dumb enough to go back and forth with her, but she wouldn't have dared, and I doubt anybody would have asked their grown adult parent as to why they were spending time with someone that they had a full-blown-on relationship with for 15 years. So the conversation kind of ended nowhere because that's just kind of what happens between co-parents and divorcees when things haven't been completely sorted out and you're not really where you need to be yet. The conversation just ended nowhere. I said, none of them said anything to you, so clearly it was either something that wasn't important to them enough to share with you or they didn't want to have to deal with this. Have you heard from any of them that they hung out with me? Or even reached out to me to hang out? That's not the point. Of course it is, but it doesn't matter. Before the month of September came to a close, I would contend face-to-face -face with my animosity with my ex-wife. And my animosity with my ex-wife actually was not my ex-wife. My animosity was simply my animosity. Hey, how you doing? My name is Eric Payne, and welcome to my Patreon page. So I am currently the host of the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. Your support here in this community is going to do the following. It's going to allow me to produce exclusive content for the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. It's also going to allow me to launch a bunch of other content series. Life of a Divorced Dad, Fatherhood in Black, and something that I'm very excited about, a docu-series called Extraordinary People. Additionally, your support on this page will give you access to a quarterly subscription box and you're gonna get first dibs and the cheapest prices on tickets for live events. Now, of course, nothing is live at this point, but when the world opens back up, things will be live. So in the meantime, they're gonna be virtual events and they're gonna be very fun. I wanna have them, they're gonna be very fun. Did I say fun? Yeah, very fun. Yeah, that's, well, we're gonna have fun. Stay tuned, hope to see you on the page. Thank you. The Massage. So midway through the month of September, I attend an event where my spin instructor is speaking. He's speaking about the power of showing up and showing out and overcoming your fears and breaking from the corporate sector and moving into the entrepreneurial space and how to be healthy and so on and so forth. I believe the event was a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it was a Saturday afternoon and I wanted to support. And I was in this space where I was trying to make new friends any way and every way. And I figured, well, let me try to just show up where these people are. Let me support them. Let me be where they are. Maybe I can meet some new people, meet, meet someone. Who knows? The next person to love. I don't know. Again, C-Sweet Lady is still in New York, but I'm not hearing from C-Sweet Lady. And old habits of collecting bodies, as I now call it, die hard. The woman hosting the event was quite the looker. And I knew her as well because she was in our spin class. And I had seen her at, uh, seen her around the city. So I wanted to support him. I wanted to support her because it was her event. And who knew what could come of it? But either way, I just wanted to support. I came dressed to the event. I had on a long sleeve t-shirt rolled up to the elbows. I had on a pair of jeans that finally fit right. Thanks to spin class. Thanks to working out. And I wore a pair of suede Bruno Mogli, um, not loafers, but dress shoes. Felt good. 
felt comfortable, felt powerful in the skin that I was in. I commanded authority when I came into the room. Um, there was energy in my movement. There was comfort in my movement. There was confidence in my movement. I didn't feel fat anymore. I didn't feel like I needed to look over my shoulder to see who was looking at me. I actually didn't care who was in the room. So I came to the event. I sat down in the front row and I listened. And it was a nice informative event. Nice little hortivores, nice little snacks afterwards. Took some pictures, shook some hands, smiled, introduced myself to a couple people. And then I decided to leave and go on about the rest of my day. So as I'm leaving the event, which is in the Auburn Avenue section of Atlanta, Georgia, I'm sure I'm not saying that absolutely correctly for all the original Atlantans listening, but as I'm leaving the event, I decide to check my phone. And I see that I have several messages from my ex-wife. But two things. I had my phone on Do Not Disturb because I was at an event and just didn't want to be on my phone because that's just a problem for me and the rest of the planet, but I also have my ex-wife on Do Not Disturb, permanent Do Not Disturb. So here's a word to the wise, to people who don't necessarily want to talk to people, but have to talk to people. So several months earlier, at the beginning of the year, she and I had had a, a misunderstanding about how our taxes were going to be done. I won't bore you with the details. So... It was a miscommunication, meaning that either I miscommunicated, she miscommunicated, but I think what it was was that we both misheard each other. Fair enough. So in the process of rectifying the issue, I was at work. I'd asked her if we could talk about it later, and she proceeded to text me at least 45 messages. I was at work. I was talking to a boss. Well, actually, I started out talking to a boss, and then I moved to another person's office. I had my phone off me and I had it on you know on the desk and my phone was vibrating so much it literally just fell off the table at one point and because I was in the it was happening as it was happening I didn't really know what to do to stop it I hadn't even it hadn't even dawned on me now of course I can't block the mother of my child but I had to ultimately put her on do not disturb because she would just not stop texting me her uh, disdain disappointment upsetness at our miscommunication, but it was mostly you, 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 you. So once my phone went silent, I was still getting the text, but I had all but removed the power of the text messaging in the moment. And then I was able to go to it later, respond appropriately, respond intelligently, and respond with some calm. And then I kind of just left her on do not disturb i don't know what phone you have but it's it's possible so figure it out now again if this is a co-parent then you cannot block a co-parent um you can't you just can't it doesn't make any sense um it's not fair to whatever children you have especially if you're in a you know a communicative experience where you know you you're, you're working together but that doesn't mean that you have to be you know an open channel for someone to just stir up beef with you whenever they feel like it so getting back to my point I saw the messages from my ex and it was a lot of them so I, I call her up and I was like hey um is everything okay and she said yeah well where did you take 
where did you take her to get a massage? Because she's claiming that her neck is tight and she has a crick in her neck and she won't let me touch her. She only wants to go where you took her for a massage. I said, oh, that's no big deal. All you have to do is go down to Ely Fresh and uh, have them take care of her. I said, but I mean, you're going to set up an appointment to give her, get her a massage because she has a crick in her neck? Well, she won't let me touch her. I mean, okay. And, you know, if it wasn't for you taking her to get a massage, she wouldn't be thinking that anytime she has a crick in her neck or her back is sore or something like that, she needs a massage. Um, okay. And I don't, I don't understand why you would do that. I said, so, uh, I've always been able to give her a back rub or rub stuff out. I randomly took her for a back rub that time because it wasn't getting better. And it was also something that I wanted to do for her as just a me showing her some love. But it wasn't like something that I do because I can't do it myself. You're her mother. Give her a back rub. What do you mean she won't let you touch her? Just rub her back. Or wait for her to calm down and then come around and talk to her later if that if she's throwing a fit. Like, why are you calling me? This is something that's going on in your house. You never hear from me when our child is with me. Why do I always hear from you when she's with you? And not only do I hear from you, you're blaming me for something that you're supposed to be handling yourself. You know what, Eric? You know what? I shouldn't have called. You know what? You're right. You're right. I shouldn't have called. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Click. Huh. Really? Okay. My ex's hang-up game was Olympic gold medal status. As a husband, I thought it was the cruelest, most harshest, most demoralizing and marginalizing thing that could be done to anybody. Now that she was on the other side of things with me, I took it even more personally, and it pissed me off. Girl, you must be crazy. So then I call back. No answer. I call back. I get sent a voicemail. I call back again. I get sent a voicemail. Then I call like 10 more times and it kept going straight to voicemail because that's where I was and that's what I used to do when I was anger, angry and triggered by her. You're not going to pick up my phone? All right, well, I'm going to blow your phone up just like you blew my phone up with a thousand text messages. I'm going to blow your phone up with phone calls. Not saying it's right, saying it's what I did. She didn't pick up. So then I text. I was like, so you don't like what I said. I pick up the phone. I'm somewhere. I'm busy. I'm not even I'm not even home. I'm busy. I take the time to speak to you. Speak to you. You don't like what I say. And rather than talk it out with me, you hang up on me. You're like a 12-year-old. Whatever. And at this point, I was driving. So I pull over to the side of the road. And I sat there and I said, hey, here's an idea. Leave me alone. You've got your own stuff going on. Figure it out. And leave me alone. Stop making me a part of your mess. I have nothing to do with you. That girl, if she doesn't want to get a massage from you, then that's something that you have to analyze about you and her. That has nothing to do with me or anything that I did when I decided to gift her with something to show her that daddy loves her. Leave me alone. I have a life, and I'm enjoying that life. Leave me alone. Now, the thing that was interesting about me saying that was that normally my thing was, hey, you know... Let's figure it out. You don't have to talk to each other that way, blah, blah, blah. But I had this epiphanal moment where I was like, leave me alone. 
leave me alone. Just leave me alone. Like, I don't want to sort things out with you. I want to be left alone. Speak to me about our daughter when it comes to drop off, pick up, that kind of stuff. All the rest of this mess, I don't want to hear. And something lifted off of me and it felt so good because I think before then I was just going back and forth and I was still going back and forth. But to say, leave me alone, put her in the position that she needed to be in for me, which was that of an outside force. I mean, I wish she wasn't an adversary, but she was an adversary and she broke up with me like that, which is something that to this day. Although I understand the psychology of it, I don't understand it in th- in actual, in actual, you know, experiencing it. Now, of course, there's a couple of things that I'm leaving out because this is my personal story and this is her personal story and our personal business. But by saying leave me alone, whether it was received or not, and it wasn't, it just, it freed me momentarily. And in that moment, the freedom created another experience for me, which was forgiveness. And I literally said, God, yo, this chick doesn't know what she's doing. Like, she's she's off. Like, I don't know what who she was when we were together, but she definitely ain't it now. I don't know why she insists on messing with me all the time when I'm not, when she's not, she being our daughter is not with me. It It's like, I don't I don't get it. But you know what? God, I don't want to get it. I don't know what's going on with her. But look. I forgive her for all of this. Like I forgive her. I don't know what it is that's causing her to be this way towards me. There's no reason for her to be this way towards me. The flare ups that happen at least once every it went from once every four days to once a week to once every two weeks, to especially whenever my daughter was not with me. But I'm going to have to forgive her and let, and, 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 and I'm just, I'm just going to have to forgive her. I can't be mad at her. This is going to kill me. I have to forgive her. Now, I don't know what caused me to have that cathartic moment. Well, I mean, the, the argument caused me to have the cathartic moment, but I don't know what caused me to move to forgiveness. But forgiveness is a process. And that was the first day of it. I drove home happy as a lark, thinking that I had forgiven my ex-wife for the things she had done and the things that she did and the things that she do and all of that stuff. As I was driving home, I was like, I am free. I have forgiven her. I am ready to move on. I was not. Forgiveness is a process. You can forgive somebody on a Saturday and hate them on Sunday. And forgiveness doesn't necessarily absolve a person from being hated. It absolves them from not being able to come clean for what they are doing to you. More on this later. But I forgave her. And so began the process of me forgiving my ex. Now, had I known how long it was going to take for me to actually truly forgive her and be free of all of the emotional stuff and toxicity that we, not she, that we created together, I probably would have never forgiven her. But it was day one of my forgiveness. And forgiveness is critical, whether you want to or not, for your own mental and emotional wellness.
Happy birthday to me. My birthday fell on a Wednesday, the year that I turned 47. I wanted to do something for myself. I felt like I deserved to do something for myself. Why not? I remember having a frat brother way back in the day threw a party for everyone he knew, and we all came out. On his birthday in New York City, we went to Malik Yoba's old restaurant. Can't remember the name of it. Big old long table. Ran up a bill of almost $1,000. And when it came time to pay, that's back before checks could be split automatically. And no one knew how to do math when the check came. He said, hey, don't worry about it. I got it. It's my birthday. I'm celebrating my day with all of you. This is my gift to you because the gift to me was your attendance. That's never left me. One of these days I'm going to do that. And, but there was something, but I wanted to do that. And since I was so good at throwing barbecues, I was like, maybe I'll have a barbecue. But then I was like, I always do barbecues. Why don't I do something nice, like nice, nice for myself? In the days leading up to my birthday, I did a, a photo shoot. I did an impromptu photo shoot with my buddy, Ross Oscar Knight, amazing photographer. You should check him out. All you have to do is Google his name. And we did a photo shoot by this one restaurant. And it was a pub. And I said, oh, I should, we should do something there. That might be kind of cool. So I could not get a table at this pub because there was an Atlanta United soccer match happening that night and they were showing the game at their restaurant. And because of that, there was no way to reserve space. You just had to come. And if you did come, you had to wait. And they said the wait was two hours. I wasn't doing that. Um, I wanted to eat at a decent time. I wanted to get home at a decent time. And I knew that if I wanted people to come, no one was going to want to sit around. And I didn't want to be hangry. And I suffer from hangriness. So I settled on the next best thing which actually was the best thing, my favorite burger restaurant in the city of Atlanta, Georgia. So I just kind of put a text message thing out. I didn't make it official. I didn't make it like formal. I didn't make it like a pressure-filled thing that you had to RSVP to. I just sent out a random text to a bunch of people. Hey, you want to come out? I want to celebrate my birthday. And it was a mix. It was a mix of a little bit of old and a little bit of new. People from my spin class, people that I used to work with, longtime friends and someone that I had crossed paths with during the summer when I was doing my thing. Someone that I had known for a while, someone that I had liked for a while, someone that I had lusted after for a while, and I think she lusted after me more than she liked me. I think I liked and lusted after her. But the issue was, was that she was married. Her marriage was collapsing. She was on her way out of her marriage. She was definitely not checking for whoever she was with and she didn't want to be married she just wanted to have fun and her whole attitude was if not you then someone else because this is where I'm at right now and yeah there was c-suite lady and c-suite lady was in my life and I really liked her but things were starting to go left for me with her because she wasn't responding to my calls or my text messages and that whole conversation that I was having with myself that she was busy was starting to sour in my own, my own intuition was beginning to turn the page on that because the reality was the energy with which she pursued me before we met up versus the energy with which she maintained me after we met up was different. And I've been around the block enough, not because I was evolving into a hoe daddy, I was, but not because of that. I have been around the block enough just as far as knowing how human behavior is, psych major, and just freaking existing for 47 years to know that this was a situation that probably was not going to end well unless she was able to communicate with me something happened you know maybe something happened to a relative maybe she had a big project she was working on maybe something went wrong but she got real quiet on me and I liked her and I wasn't alone 
and I was in pain over the fact that 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 I felt rejected by her. <sighs> so I drowned my sorrows in between someone else's thighs. How we met, when we met, it just kind of happened casually one evening. We're friends. She stopped by, and she stayed for a while. But her marriage was on a collapse. She was convinced she was going to leave her husband. She had decided that she was going to be open because she was pretty convinced that he was not being faithful to her anymore. And like I said, it was a situation where she was like, if not you, then it's going to be somebody else. And when I think that phraseology is, is, is pitched to someone that isn't really like firm in their principles and stances, whatever that is, I'm not saying that her belief is right or wrong. That's not what this, this vignette of this story is about. It's more about me. Because my principles were not solid, I was willing to waffle when something was pitched to me like that because I'm like, well, if not, some, if not me, then someone else, so it might as well be me. Versus this is something that I just don't believe in doing. So I sent out the text and let everybody know who the, you know, let everybody know the actual address for the event. And people came out. I had roughly 10 people. I had invited 20 and roughly 10 people showed up. Something I learned when I got my house dedicated. The people that show up are the people that are meant to be there. I don't lament the people that do not attend things for me because they weren't supposed to be there. For whatever reason, there's no judgment involved, no nothing. The people that were supposed to be there were supposed to be there. So my spin instructor came with his boyfriend. I had a couple co-workers from my job at the university that came. I had a couple of old friends. Her and her husband came. And I had my friend that I was having relations with who came. And I remember one of my old co-workers, uh, the one who I basically centered the episode for the love of chocolate around, she came to my house and we Ubered there together. Why do we Uber? Because I drank. I drank before we left. I think I had a flask on me, a flask that my old boss gave me. I think I was drinking the flask in the car. And we got to the restaurant and some people were there waiting. They bought me drinks at the bar, and then we sat down at the table, and we had a really, really nice time. It was really nice. I know I say that a lot. Really nice time. But it was just grown folks talking, laughing, and I was at the center of the table. Not center of attention, center at the table. And I kind of just looked around, and I was like, this is cool. I was able to bring some people together to have a good time. People that didn't know each other at the table departed friends, and that made me glad. And for that reason and that reason alone, it was all worth it to me. Didn't have a way home. Didn't feel like Ubering home with my friend. So my other friend, the one I was having relations with, offered to drop us off. She dropped us home. She picked, you know, she got her car out of valet. She dropped me and my old coworker friend from work, my big sis. She dropped us back to my house. My big sis got her car. She wished me a happy birthday. She kind of glanced at me because she knew what was up. I didn't really share with her. But she had a sense. She said, all right, you be good now. Have a wonderful night. I'm so glad that we were able to celebrate your birthday. But uh, you take care, okay? And I said, I will, sis. I love you. I'll see you later. And I went back into my, I went into my house and I sat down. And I got a text that said, is it good for me to come back by? And... My other friend came by, and we spent a better part of the night together. But herein lies the rub. 
she didn't stay. I don't remember what time it was when she decided it was time for her to go home. But as she was getting dressed, you know, I put on the lights a little bit so she could see around and see where her stuff was to get dressed. Her mascara was running all down her face. It was obvious that she had been involved in something. I mean, it didn't look like she was crying. It just looked, it ran all down her face in the midst of our cavorting. And I said, um, you need to check your eyes. So she went to the rest, she went to my bathroom, cleaned up her face. And she said, all right, I'll see you. Gave me a kiss and she left. And I remember watching her drive away and I remember going up into my room and I remember going to sleep by myself that night. And I remember how lonely I felt even though I had had a, somebody in my, my bed with me, even though I had a body, I had, collect, I had a body, but all I had was a body. I didn't have a person, I had a body. She said, I remember what she said too. She said, ooh, thank you, Eric. That smoothed me out, that took the edges off. But it was my birthday and I had done something for her, which, you know, I guess I'm glad to do. I mean, I think that, you know, being intimate with someone is about giving rather than taking. And I guess it was presumed that I got mine, right? But I wanted someone to wake up next to. Beautiful brown curves, her dark brown chocolate curves. I wanted to see her locks unfurled and spread out all across my sheets. I wanted to smell them in the morning when I woke up next to her. I wanted to see the sweat form on all the curves and lines and edges and sides and crevices and folds of her skin. I wanted to touch her. I wanted to hold her. I wanted to love up on her. I wanted to kiss all over her and have her kiss all over me. But that wasn't happening. And, you know, I wanted to maybe have pancakes the next day. Pancakes, make pancakes, make waffles, whatever. Cause that's what I do. Maybe we could cook together. Maybe we could drink coffee and read the paper and naked. I don't know, just something. It wasn't my birthday. My birthday was on Wednesday, but it was my birthday weekend. It would have been nice to have spent my Saturday since my daughter was with her mother. It would have been nice to spend my Saturday with somebody that gave a shit about me. And yet I woke up on Sunday morning in my bed by myself. And I said, self, Eh, I can't do this no more. I ain't built for this. This episode features the poem, The Crash and Burn of a Hopeless Romantic, written by yours truly. Check this episode's show notes for further details about the book and the poem. That's all we've got for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to follow up on the next episode where we figure out what happens next in the life of a divorced man in his 40s trying to figure out what to do, how to do it, and who to do it with as he navigates these single, wild, crazy, internet-driven streets on the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. As always, be wonderful, be intentional, be incredible, be authentic, be powerful, be courageous, be brave, be fearless, 
even if you have fear. Be watchful. Be discerning. Be cautious. Be loving to yourself. But most important of all, be you.